Overnight with Martin Kellner. There is a place I'd give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars in a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico Um, that's where we're going now, to uh, Campeche in Mexico, and uh, we say a warm welcome to uh, John Bonfilio. Uh, John, thanks uh, ever so much for joining us. Good evening. At least once a week I remember what a great song this is. It's fabulous, isn't it? Long John Baldry, for the kiddies listening. Uh, so, uh, yeah, fantastic song. It used to be uh, a series on British telly as well. Uh, so, uh, John, this is an interesting story. President Ibrahim Raisi has been in uh, Latin America this week, uh, courting support from uh, some of the countries in the region, which is, um, this is, got, you know, from a geopolitical point of view, this is going to be very interesting and probably a little disturbing for the USA and for Europe. It is, following hot on the, hot on the coattails of, uh, of, of China's uh uh, friendship and uh, uh, attempts into Latin America. This is, uh, as you say, Ibrahim Raisi. Uh, uh, thank you for pronouncing that before I did. Who's just visited three Latin American countries. Can you guess which three Latin American countries they are, Martin? Well, I w- I'm guessing one might be Brazil, maybe Argentina and Venezuela. Well, you've got, you got one out of three. Basically, <laughs> if you think of it, the way, the way we need to think about this geopolitically is that Iran is an outcast nation. It's a pariah nation. Mm. So what it's trying to do is to basically it has sort of deepen economic and strategic ties in what was formerly considered America's backyard, but with other pariah nations. So for sure, Venezuela is one of them. And the other two most obvious ones are Nicaragua, which, you know, wasn't that until about uh, five, six years ago, but it very much is that now. And then Cuba, which has been regarded in that way since the revolution in 1959. So the argument goes, according to Iran, is that if there are sanctions uh, imposed upon these other countries and they can't trade with anybody else, then why can't they trade with us? So this is the uh, this is the the theory, I guess, is that um, if if these um, nations have been isolated by the U.S., then why can't can they not form? A sort of a, a block within themselves. And actually, also interesting, because if you look at the photographs emerging from the first visit into Venezuela, uh, uh, Raisi has been photographed and videoed extensively at an, an Iranian store, an Iranian car manufacturer. Uh, and mm. these are not new companies that are in Venezuela. I mean, since the since Venezuelan economy crashed a few years ago, Iran saw an opportunity. And there are loads of, again, perhaps strangely, Iranian goods uh, on display and, and available in, in Venezuela. And then he's sort of branching out. So Nicaragua and Cuba are slightly different. But, yeah, this is definitely an extension of uh, a, an attempt to, uh, to increase, relations, re- increase relations between, uh, between sanctioned countries in the region. Yeah, I should have guessed uh, Cuba, obviously. Um, yeah. But, you know, you put me on the spot there. And sorry, I know, sorry, sorry. Yes, no, no, no worries. And I don't even know if Ibrahim Raisi is the correct pronunciation, but we both did it, so that's fine. 
Um, th th here's an interesting story that we, you know, just before I went away, as a story we were covering quite a lot. Uh, and this is the uh, those missing children um, who uh, happily turned up. Uh, but now they're looking for Wilson, the rescue dog, who found uh, four missing children after that plane crash in Colombia. Yeah, as you as you say, these kids were missing for 40 days. They're now in a military hospital in in Bogota. They haven't been heard of very much at all, except so far as in so far as uh, actually one of the kids, the eldest kid, drew a picture in which uh, they included. She included the picture of Wilson. So the, this Belgian shepherd had been given some of the kids' clothing, uh, clothing to sniff, and actually went off into the jungle. And then the, the the special forces lost the dog, but the dog actually found the kids and spent a few days with them. And there was we discussed on your show about the fact that there had been rumours that this dog was actually with the children. It's just that nobody knew where it was. So the children were then found, but actually the Belgian shepherd is still lost in the jungle. And this is the, the I guess the the remnants of the story in that the Colombian uh, military have left 70 soldiers in the jungle. And this very much continues to be national news daily. Uh, this this uh, the, the the name, the figure of Wilson figures daily on on social media news right across uh, right across the country uh, to the extent that a, a spiritual advisor who speaks with animals, uh, Martin, has been called in to help with the search and has said that if everybody prays and and, and, and shines a, a, a mental light out, then mm -hmm. uh, then Wilson will come home. Do you remember the cat psychic that we spoke about uh, regarding that was lost on a Bolivian Airlines jet a few months ago? Do you remember that one? No, I don't remember the uh, the, the cat psychic. <laughs> this, is, this is not a psychic cat then. Um, no, no, no. But this, they, this, this. The reason I, I was, bring this up is just because that poor cat that was lost, and then Bolivian Airlines brought a cat psychic in to look for him, continues to be lost. So, um, sadly, I think that perhaps uh, bringing in a spiritual advisor or a psychic to to help animals out of the Amazon is more a sign of desperation than yes. hope. In case anybody was wondering. I think you're absolutely right there. I was watching um, a program we have in the United Kingdom that goes on during daytime television called Steph's Packed Lunch. I'm not proud of it, but I was watching it. I was flipping, <laughs> flipping channels and it was there. And they had somebody who read tarot cards for dogs. So they were the, the guest was on the show, this woman with her pack of tarot cards and a dog and she was predicting the dog's future by reading these tarot cards and when you find yourself watching something like that you think what's the point what's the point what am i what am i here for but yes um you know it doesn't surprise me that there are dog psychics and cat psychics around but um i'm sure it's not gonna do any good um let's talk about trotsky People, he was obviously no longer with us, um, but his grandson has died in Mexico City. Tell me about that. Yeah, which in a way, you know, when people's grandkids die, it shouldn't really make big news. But this is Esteban Volkov, who's died at the, the age of 97 in Mexico City. And um, I think important because not only was he uh, Trotsky's grandson, but he was also the keeper of the. Uh, alive of the flame of Trotsky and everything that he was and his thoughts and his life and mm. uh, and so on at the Leon Trotsky House and Museum in Coyoacán in the south of uh, of Mexico City and is the last living witness to the murder of Trotsky. Uh, Trotsky 
uh, as with a number of other uh, intellectuals, uh, exiles, revolutionaries, moved to Mexico in, in the 30s, given what was taking place in, in Europe. And uh, he arrived from the Soviet Union and the Stalinist regime. And he lived there until his murder, his assassination at the hands of a uh, Stalinist agent, infamously uh, at the hands of an ice pick on August 21st, uh, 1940, but still continues to be a really important figure, I think, in, not just in, in, in Mexico City and the history of Mexico City, but also the memory of what Mexico was in the 30s and the 40s, which was a real um, sort of center of exile for these revolutionaries and exile, uh, revolutionaries, exiles and, uh, and, and other figures uh, from around the world who found a safe haven, a pre-war safe haven in Mexico. And certainly Mexico City of the time was very much a haven for these sort of uh, dreamers, thinkers and, uh, and so on who came from right around the world. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people will probably associate Leon Trotsky. I mean, obviously, if you if you know anything of the history of the Russian Revolution, uh, you'll know all about the uh, the rivalry and the Bolsheviks and what and what happened there. Uh, but most people, or some people, will know about Leon Trotsky from The Stranglers' 1977 hit single, uh, "No More Heroes." Um, where I'm just, I was just looking up the lyric on, um, on the internet. Uh, whatever happened to Leon Trotsky, he got an ice pick that made his ears burn. Whatever happened to dear old Lenny? Um, I don't make a lot of sense, but, um, yeah, Sancho Panza gets a mention in the song as well. Um, no more heroes by the uh, Strangs 1977, but of course, yeah, uh, all, did you know the single? I've, I've heard of it loosely, but it just reminds me one of those things that, you know, as we get older, all our heroes just pass away one by one. It's one of the sadnesses of existence, Martin, I think. Absolutely. Or as Mao Zedong said, uh, the great joy of going older is you can sit by the river, well, in his case, the river Yangtze, and watch the bodies of your enemies come floating by. So there is that. There is that. That's a great quote. I'm going to use that this week. Yeah, well, you, you, you should. You're all welcome to it. You're all welcome to it. Now, um, I, I've trailed this fairly heavily because um, I was listening to Talk Sport earlier in the week and they were talking about uh, this crisis in Brazilian football, you know, the Brazilian uh, national team, while they wait for Carlo Ancelotti, um, reportedly, who's going to be the next manager, but is currently under contract with Real Madrid. Um, tell me what's going on at the moment. Yeah, there was a few months ago, there were all these rumours, especially when things were going so well for Real Madrid, not that they had a fantastic season by any stretch of the imagination, but Ancelotti had already uh, signed for them, but that's very much more in question. The, the thing about Brazil, of course, is they're, they're not a regular side, so Brazil and the, and the Brazilian public basically expect Brazil not just to win every game that they play, but also to win in style. And if you look at their win-loss ratio under Tita, the last manager, they lost six out of 81 competitive matches. And then currently, the interim manager, because they haven't had a new manager appointed since the World Cup, Menezes, has lost two out of three to, I mean, Morocco and Senegal. And definitely not minnows by any stretch of the imagination. We know what Morocco did in the World mm. Cup and Senegal, of course, are African nation champions. But of course, this is Brazil that we're speaking of. And, and so this is definitely, you know, not uh, a, a, a very popular uh, conversation piece in in Brazil at the moment because everyone's not just saying you know let's get a grip they're saying let's do something about this every other serious footballing nation has appointed a manager and we've done absolutely nothing I, I think as you say with the managers that are in play 
the, the, the chat at the moment seems to be either Ancelotti, but not for a good period of time. So mm. he's not going to sign. He's not going to break a contract with Real Madrid until next summer. So just before the Copa America, by which time Brazil would have played six World Cup qualifiers or potentially this figure of Abel Ferreira, who is Portuguese, but is based in Brazil and has been highly successful there. Whichever one of those two, that, uh, the smart money seems to be on one or the other, gets it. What's particularly noteworthy is that they will be the first permanent foreign manager in the history of Brazil. Remember back when uh, England was having these debates before uh, Spanier and Ericsson? This is where we're at now with Brazil. Yeah, that's amazing. But um, I'm sure they'll uh, turn it around. They always do. I mean, there have been cry. There, there, perennially, there are crises in uh, as far as the Brazilian national team goes. You know, however talented the players are, uh, there's always a pro. You know, any documentary I've ever seen about Brazilian football, there's always a, a variety of different mm-hmm. opinions, isn't there? Yeah. What exacerbates the crisis, of course, is that their uh, neighbours and most competitive rivals, Argentina, uh, are currently and have been for a while uh, uh, on top of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John, as always, thank you ever so much. Do appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk again next week. No problem. Talk soon. Good man. There we go. Uh, John Bonfilio uh, joining us from Campeche in Mexico.